Hi, and welcome to Breaking Free Podcast, a body, mind, spirit approach to mental health. I'm your host, Summer Seitz, and this is episode 28. And today I have a really wonderful guest, Rachel Grant Dixon from the She's Awake podcast, Living Life with Truth, Purpose, and Passion. And after our last podcast, which was on, um, you know, how to have courage to heal, I've been thinking a lot about the things people are seeking to heal right now. And so Rachel's going to talk, we're going to talk about, um, going from loneliness to connection today and, and breaking free of loneliness. Welcome, Rachel. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to connect with your community today. Yeah, and I, I you know, when I've been with your podcast since the very beginning, I remember popping on the very beginning and, um, and really feeling that desire to, um, you know, live in my purpose and create greater connection with source. And I felt like your podcast was a really great opportunity. It seems like that has been the journey of your podcast is really helping people from all walks of life and spirituality to connect more deeply to source. Um, can you tell me a little bit about, you know, your mission with your podcast and what it is? For sure. Yeah. I started the podcast is um, over two years old, which just seems crazy. When I got this impression to start a podcast, I did not even know how to do anything technology-wise. I thought that was the most overwhelming task, but I have this slogan that between God and YouTube, I can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I did some research and, and started to learn how to actually just do the mechanics of podcasting, but the topic came very quickly, and that is to embrace a diverse community people with all kinds of different backgrounds in uh, religious traditions, in cultural traditions. Uh, some of them are believers in the Christianity tradition, others not. And so my podcast has a very diverse language and a diverse following of people because living your life with truth, purpose, and passion is a universal human experience. It isn't selected to just one population of people. And so I started to really understand how source, God, the universe, creator, all of these different beautiful languages and uh, insights and wisdom teachings were in all kinds of different traditions. And in my podcast, I incorporate those. Personally, I'm a believer of Jesus Christ. I make that very public on my podcast. However, I have people of all different traditions listening because we can all learn from the, the wonderful traditions throughout the world. And so I'd like to bring those into the podcast so that anyone can participate and feel like they are um, getting value and adding value to the She's Awake community. You know, I've really felt that too. And I think as someone who also has a, you know, belief in Christianity, but has dived deeply into mindfulness practices, right? And so I've learned a lot about Eastern traditions, and Chinese medicine. I've learned that there's so much truth in, and, and how valuable it is to recognize that we don't have like an, um, a monopoly of truth, right? In any tradition and that it's so important to be a wisdom seeker and to be open to allow God to source, to direct you to further expansion. And I think that's what leads me to this topic today because I've been doing a lot, I don't know about a lot of you, but I think when we go into like, kind of, we move less, you know, there's more stillness in our lives. Maybe we're less busy because of the current COVID, you know, pandemic that has happened. There's a lot more internal work that starts to happen. And for some of us, that's the needed break from the busyness, you know, if you're more introverted, but for many, 
um, this, the busyness, the activities was a way of maybe avoiding that inner work, you know, not, not being present with what was there. And I, I, I do, you know, as a professional counselor, I have many clients who've come in during this time and talk to me about, you know, there's their, their intense loneliness or just this really purging process that they're going through right now. It seems to be pretty universal. I've talked to other, you know, friends and other people who are, you know, in this field and they say, you know, there's this kind of painful dismantling happening right now for people of old ways of being as they're trying to accept and step into new ways of being. And you can be in a group of people and feel extremely alone. Um, and, you know, and I, I do feel like the moms, especially, you know, they can be six kids at home all day, never have a moment to themselves, you know, even to maybe even go to the restroom and they still feel lonely. So I kind of wanted to talk about loneliness at, at the beginning, you know, what are your ideas of like, why are we lonely? Um, and then we will talk about how to, uh, you know, break free of loneliness into further connection. Yeah. Well, and I, I would, um, I, I don't want to paint loneliness as a broad stroke brush because I know yeah. that loneliness can be, it's so unique for each individual and um, to prescribe something um, can be discouraging sometimes if you're like, I'm lonely and I'm trying all these different things and it's not working. One of the reasons you asked first, why do people get lonely? And again, without wanting to paint a broad stroke, a broad stroke to that question and to answer it in, in kind of like a, a universal way, I'd like to invite your audience to consider something. Loneliness, in my observation and in working with people and just in my own personal life, generally stems from a feeling of loss, a belief of loss, a belief of isolation, and then a belief of a, of a connection, a disconnect from God, source, universe, creator, nature, right? We, we start to feel as if we're separate from something and therefore we're lonely. It's why we can feel lonely in a crowded room. We, our belief is that we are not connected and we're not having deep and meaningful relationships. So it, it's why the, the busy mom can, can be busy all day long and go cry in her closet and just crying out for connection or, or for um, like an adult conversation, right? And yeah. so it's just something to consider. I would like to invite anyone to ask that question. Why do you feel lonely? Because it's going to stem from a belief system. And it also may stem from a situation. We can have situational loneliness. We can have a separation that um, really requires or propels us to have to look at our own loneliness. But I find that loneliness can actually be a very sacred time because we do address some of those deep rooted uh, traditions and belief systems that might be driving the ship to help us think that we are actually disconnected from others or disconnected from source. Yeah, and that brings up a really important point. So one of the things you learn in, you know, consciousness traditions is that we all have, you know, conditioning or programming, I call it, right? We have programming of the way we were taught that you can connect to source or the proper way to do that. Um, what it looks like to be connected to God, right? And maybe what it doesn't look like. And so, you know, a child can, I mean, my daughter was just this morning, like painting a beautiful picture in the kitchen and having a moment because she's kind of an artist. And I could feel that she was super connected to source. You know, that's her way of doing that is through her art. And, you know, it, it maybe not be a traditional way. She wasn't having, giving a prayer or in church, you know, but she was doing it the way she does it. And so I think 
Um, we all have unique ways of doing that. One of the reasons why I reached out to you and I'm gonna share this with the community is, you know, Rachel and I are also personal friends. We've known each other since we were, um, gosh, elementary school maybe, yeah. about that far back. And so, and then, you know, there's a time when we grew up and went on our, our lives and ways. So we've kind of come now into this new kind of friendship with both friendship and, you know, this common interest and wisdom seeking. But um, I sent her this Marco Polo about kind of an impression I had as I was thinking about this. I want to share this with you. So sometimes I'm taught by source via like a, like a, like a picture. I see pictures, you know, and I think you do too, Rachel, right? You share a lot of that with your community. And so what I saw this day was as I was kind of doing my meditative work as I saw a buffet and at the buffet, there was every possible type of, and I, you know, I learned it through food, right? Cause I love food. <laughs> so I guess I'm a little bit of a foodie. So source was showing me there was all this food, but what I could see, and again, it was like the child version of me, right? That wounded child. I could see my mom and my dad and they were going before me in the, the buffet line and they were putting things onto their plate. And I was following them and I was watching them. And like, if they put turkey on their plate, I put turkey on my plate. If they put mashed potatoes, you know what I mean? Like I was putting, it was right around Thanksgiving time, right? So I'm like seeing myself put the exact same thing on my plate, the same amounts in the same way that my family did. And they're very satisfied because they're picking what they want, right? They're just looking at what they desire, what their, what their needs are, what they're, what they're hungry for. And they're putting that on the plate. And I'm looking at my plate going, well, I'm not gonna starve to death, right? but this isn't actually what I would eat. And that's actually typical. My parents and I don't have the same taste in food even today. We really like different food. And so I was like, I really wouldn't do this. I'm more of an earth girl. I'd probably have more salad and I'd have less, you know what I mean? I'm thinking about even from just a practical standpoint, I wouldn't actually eat this. And then source was like, that's kind of what it's like though when you're following the traditions or the programming you've been given. It's not that it's bad, you're getting fed. These are all good things. Turkey's good for you, right? Josh, it does have value, but it may not be nourishing you personally the way you need to. You may need less of something and more of something else. And so that analogy just kept playing out on multiple levels of like, how can we understand that there's many, many good things to choose from, but it's important to listen to that inner voice of how much of and when we need something, when we don't, what things serve maybe our parents because they're unique people and what serves us and having maybe that ability to connect with things that really nourish you. What do you think about that in terms of like this conversation about loneliness? I, I love that analogy and I connected right away to this buffet. I'm going to call it a vision or, you know, an yeah. revelatory instruction that you received because there's something really valuable here. God wasn't telling you to shame or blame or criticize your family of origin and their traditions. He was yeah. not saying that Turkey is even wrong, the, the implication there was, we are all such unique, individual vib vibrating beings, and that we are given a buffet so that we, uh, we progress to start to be able to choose for ourselves what actually meets our needs. And traditionally or culturally, this can be very challenging because you almost feel like you're betraying if you say, oh, I really don't like turkey, but I really prefer um, fish, okay? There's a, there's a point where we start to feel like, oh my gosh, if I don't keep eating the turkey because I really prefer and I'm, I'm, I feel more drawn to another source of, of nourishment. And here we are, we're calling this connection and worship and finding our own individual voice with, with God and with source. 
that, that you can go ahead and let go of the blame and shame because we appreciate what has come before us. In fact, if yeah. we didn't have someone coming before us, we would all be wandering in the dark. Um, and so the, the path that has been lit for each individual because of their family of origin and their traditions, this is something to be celebrated. The challenges, and I think this was where loneliness comes in is because we then feel bound to it. And when we start to feel bound to the traditions of others, it can feel suppressive, lonely, isolating. Can, I mean, I think a lot of people can relate to these things. Um, and it can also feel like, I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know how to recognize what I want. I don't, I'm so used to following tradition and following others. I, I work with people that, that are breaking out of this pattern of like just repetitive following rather than, because just because you start to think, feel and connect directly with source, it doesn't actually mean that you're going to even break away from your tradition, but you start to live from a place of pure light, pure truth, pur pure purpose. And it is because it's yours and it's directed to you. And then you are free to choose the path that you want to take the, um, the courses in life lessons that you actually want to take rather than mimicking, trying to mimic what other people are eating and drinking and partaking of, because it might be nourishing for them, but that doesn't mean it's nourishing for you. And I often say, and I think we've talked about this, is that there's no one size fits all when it comes to worship, right? And so I, what I did after this happened is I, because, you know, of course, this was for my own personal development. One of the things I've been pondering is codependency. I've done a few podcasts previously on codependency. Um, codependency is very subtle. Um, and I've done many years of work on it. But I, what I recognized was this inability, this desire to please, right, and to to um, connect via same thinking, like we have to have the same opinion or the same way of, of, of approaching something. That's how, because we do, we like to be with like-minded people. We like to have similar opinions. We're definitely attracted to it's easier for us, but I've learned that it's actually much more resilient uh, to feel, I mean, there's many people who spoke on this. Sean Acor is one of them. Um, he wrote a great book about this, but, um, but what I, what I really think is it's so important to fill ourselves with people that have actually different perspectives and challenge us. We actually grow, we have more resilience that way. Um, and a lot of times we're afraid of that, right? Because we're afraid, well, what happens when I think differently or feel differently? Um, I've seen that, you know, I think you have as well. Like I've seen that really lately. It's like, you're either with me or you're against me. I've seen that politically, right? There's just all this, this division. You're either with me or against me. Instead of this idea that like, there is this beautiful place where we have much more commonality than we have separateness, right? Where we can value each other's growth and learning. And I really believe in a round table where everybody has something. I teach that to my clients. It's like, I may be guiding you, but you have just, you know yourself better. You are your own guide. So I'm just here to learn you deeply, mirror that back to you, right? And then help you make choices that fit for you because otherwise you're eating my buffet, right? Like I'm telling you how it would work for me. And that's not actually going to work for you to really bring you to joy, which is often my goal with people, right? To have them healed and free to live from joy. Um, that's one of our courses that we created at Whole Woman Link. So people are lonely, I think, because they're trying to wear something that feeds another. Um, they're keeping traditions that their soul is not really jiving with, but because they don't want to reject 
or feel separate from people that they truly love and respect, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and it's one of the challenges, especially in like American culture, we don't generally tend to model healthy um, mindsets in terms of it, it's your summer, you're free to think your way and I'm free to think my way. It, oftentimes that's modeled as a source of conflict. How could two people be really good friends, but yet think two different, two different ways? And we don't see this, but, but the more that I'm observing in our society and our culture right now, we are moving towards this mentality of, oh, wait a minute, it's okay for you to think that way. And it's okay for me to think that way. And we're implementing listening skills because oftentimes we learn from how not to do things. And without getting political, I don't want to promote any political side, we're seeing a lot of contention within our political parties modeling for us what we as US citizens don't actually want to continue to perpetuate and promote. I actually see dialogue going, gosh, I think we need to lay down this vicious attack on each other. And maybe we can move into a space of listening and learning and understanding. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I, and I think again, people have felt lonely as there's a difference of opinion and they're like, I don't feel that way, but this is my friend. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, or, and so there's been loneliness psychologically lately, right. There's been loneliness physically because people have been isolated uh, with COVID and, 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 and we're designed to be in relationship with each other. We are literally designed. I wanted to share uh, really quickly. It's funny, we were talking and I wrote it in my journal yesterday. It just stuck out to me. I was reading a book, but it talks about, um, I love Dr. Siegel and he talks about attachment figures, but someone who, who um, provides a safe haven where the other can be deeply seen and feel safe and secure, right? We're looking for someone that provides a safe haven whether that be source, friendships, deeply listening people, right? That you can be seen and felt and that's safe and secure to do that. You're not gonna be rejected for showing up as yourself, right? And I think that's what, I know that's what I feel I value in our friendship. I can show up as myself truly. I'm not, we talked about not filtering, right? There are people that you get, you filter with and there are people that you don't have to filter and I can just not filter and we, you and I have had differences of opinion. We've yep. had differences of where we're at, but there's a sense of like, that doesn't mean we're at odds with each other, that we, we're here to learn from each other, right? We're here to glean from each other. Um, and there's always something beautiful to be had in another human, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, and in so, terms of, of loneliness, I want to go back to that since we are talking about that a little bit. Uh, something that I find in just again, life and observing people and working with a variety of different people just through my professional practice is um, we can almost get to the point where loneliness becomes like our then true lived reality as if this is just the way it's going to be. Like I'm just going to be lonely. And as we, as we look at that, I would, again, I'd invite people to dive deeply into the tradition of why is it that you believe that? Because generally that's going to be tied to I'm lonely because of conflict. I'm lonely because, yes, and again, totally right now we're, we, we have more isolation time for sure. But when we start to really believe that loneliness is our reality, 
the the counter to that is to uh, look and challenge that belief system, that thought pattern, that where does that come from that you are in fact separate? And oftentimes we can feel lonely because we feel like if we are ourselves, it will form conflict. It will dissolve relationships. It will um, keep us from the very people that we want to have deep and meaningful relationships with. And so working that out is it's not necessarily simple. I'm not, I don't even want to broad stroke that as being simple, but that is the power of you stepping into who you truly are is just addressing that loneliness is there to teach you something. And it's not there to imprint reality on you. It's there to teach you that there is another way. I, I, I say this, um, greatest lie ever told. There is no other way. There is no option. This is it. This is all you can do. Whenever anybody starts saying that, I'm like, hmm, I'm going to deeply look at that because I'm not sure that's the way God works is in absolutes. And like, it, it there's just this one way. I haven't found that to be um, very comforting uh, for me personally. But being able to recognize that loneliness is a teacher and it can help uh, begin to turn the dial of thought pattern around, wait a minute, maybe this doesn't actually have to be my lived reality. Maybe it's here because I'm here to learn and uproot a belief system that helps me or that is guiding me to believe that I'm separate from something. I love that. And what I love about that too, is I've always, I say on my podcast and I have, you know, just that, you know, emotions are showing up for you, not against you. And I love that concept there that you're you're looking at the emotion as a teacher instead of fighting it like no I'm not okay you're here there's an embrace of it right like let me embrace what this loneliness is showing me taking a step back mm -hmm. one of the things I want to add just from consciousness concepts is that when we are kind of married to our minds so to speak right we're in our minds and we're in our heads we're in the story of our head um, then that means we're not we're kind of identified with our mind, right? And that creates suffering. And one of those sufferings is loneliness, right? Because we're identified with this current story. I think we've all done that, right? Nobody likes me, everybody hates me, right? This like song, I'll go eat worms, right? Like from a kid, right? We have these beliefs and that's not true. I think any of us can step back and see like, no, I do have friends or I am not alone or, you know, there is love in my life. But in those moments when we're identified, we can't see that. So that ability to, uh, step back and observe is such an important part of um, I think overcoming loneliness and I don't know if I want to say overcoming it like moving through it because yeah. I think it is a great teacher but let's talk about that so we've kind of I think identified where is it coming from and it, again it's unique to everyone how do you see people stepping out of loneliness one of the first ways is, and you use the word is observation. I also, you know, common word in consciousness is awareness as well, or the um, looking at what sometimes I'll, in fact, somewhere you taught me this, I'll, I'll bring in a little bit about the wit, um, the victim triangle or the drama triangle. I'll find out, well, where am I at on that? Um, and so that can be one step is just the witnessing, the being an aware an observer of what's really going on, stepping back. That is, that is kind of just one of the first steps. And then the next is, yes, identify all of the emotions. Let them come up, feel them, identify, name them. Uh, this is going to be a very powerful experience for people, whether you're dialoguing with a counselor or a coach about this, 
or you're journaling, or you're just sitting, again, sitting in your closet or your private meditation and, and voicing that. Also, this is an uh, oftentimes a new uh, technique or skill that I, when I work with people is I ask them, where is loneliness in your body? Where do you feel loneliness in your body? This is again, connecting that mind, body, spirit, we're not separate. We are we are working in harmony and unison with our mind, body, spirit, with source, creator, nature, earth. All of these things are working harmoniously when we can tap in to that um, symbiotic force. So once we talk about identifying it in the body and then is there a story attached to it? Oh yes, I believe that because I, my, my back hurts or my shoulder hurts or my stomach is always upset, well, let's see if we can identify those, those energies, those emotions or those stories. And that's when we can start working with uh, creating new neural pathways so that you can identify what is it that's looping over and over and over again, and then create a new pathway so that you can, you can rewrite your story. Um, but we don't want to just put a new train track on an old broken one. We want to we want to really pull out all of that train track that isn't working for you. Pull that aside, clean that out, and then lay a fresh track. Yeah. Meaning thought I think that's the, yeah. Yeah. I think that's the dismantling that people are feeling, right? Like in my last podcast, I talked about the courage to heal, which is many of those things that you just talked about and, and how important it is to have the courage to feel the feelings, right? Identify what did happen. I, I own your story. Like really what happened? And because the inner child, right? Um, so we have a course up now, you know, uh, that with uh, I have one called Healing the Inner Child and uh, the Mindfulness um, Path to Growth, right? And I know those two classes, I teach these concepts, but it's so important to um, be able to first identify your story. What is it? What happens to me? Because the child needs to tell the story, right? They're stuck in time and space. They haven't had the opportunity to share what happened to them. And, and we call that integration, right? They haven't been able to integrate that, right? To make sense of that. And so it's kind of like, because all time's present in the mind, it's kind of like, I mean, you see this with PTSD, like they'll have the same nightmare over and over again, all the same flashback, because it's like the brain is trying to figure out this was, this was an unacceptable experience, right? This was terrifying to me. There's some fear stuck in the body. It's literally in the body, it's in the mind. And they're trying to like come to a place of like resolution and so we do have to kind of have that resolution. And I think that's the hard piece, right? We might need to go to that little child because it might not be you now, right? It might be like, when I was young, this happened to me. And then my belief was from that time on that this is the only way I'm able to be loved or this is the only way that I'm acceptable. We have these beliefs about how we're loved, how we're safe, right? How we're connected that we were taught from our beautiful, also broken attachment figures that are doing the best they can, right? I'm, I have children, I'm sure they have plenty of work to do, right? But what we get to do as adults is we get to reparent ourselves. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about, taking that moment to love on yourself, nurture yourself, say, you know what, there are other ways, there are new ways to learn, there are new ways to live. Maybe the way that your parents did it was the best they knew, and maybe you, there are new ways now that you can approach your life and new beliefs that bring you greater joy and expansion uh, now, right? Yeah, absolutely. And part of the, the process is I think that we've, we've kind of placed culturally a negative connotation on the word accountability. Be accountable oftentimes 
means it's going to follow with negative consequences. And I have found that, that taking accountability for my story, for my emotions is a very empowering and positive experience because I'm not blaming or shaming why it's there, but I am owning that it's there. Therefore I can, I'm free to look at it without trying to hide or justify or rationalize why I did certain things or not, didn't do certain things. I'm like, oh, I can be accountable right now that I feel this emotion. And, and it's so empowering because I'm, I have done this enough and worked through this process enough to know that accountability is such a maturing process in the uh, mindfulness steps because we then truly are recognizing that if you can be accountable for it and you can recognize it, witness it, observe it, then that means, again, it's another piece of the puzzle so that you're free to choose what is it that you want to do next. If you hide from your accountability, you're still not fully exercising your agency because wounding is driving the ship. Your wounded self is making choices. But when you can be accountable and you can work through those stages, I believe that we are the most empowered when our agency is fully activated and we are then free to live and move into joy, which is what summer is all about. And I want to do a quick plug. Sorry. I have personally taken summer's courses uh, and I loved them and her partner, Crystal, divine, amazing powerhouse, wise with women um, who I love to learn from. So if anyone is listening to this and wants a personal testimony from somebody who has taken their courses, I, I can't even give you enough stars. It was, there's so much content there to glean from. So I highly recommend your courses. But anyway, I'm just letting people know they can find that course at um, homelink.com. There's a tab that has courses and also on Facebook or in my personal Instagram um, at summer sites if they want more information about how to take the course. But yes, absolutely. It's all online for you and you can take it at your leisure. And I love that because I think that the course actually really addresses everything we're talking about today. But I think as we dive deeper, because I think some people I know have taken it, um, I, as we have this last few minutes, this last you know five, five minutes or so, I really like to talk about um, you know, how to create that connection, that personal connection, right? Because we left people at the buffet, like recognizing, hey, this isn't working for me. I don't want to do it the same way. I've acknowledged these emotions. Like they've taught me, right? I, that's where I'm at. Now, how do I, I mean, I want your perspective because I think people heard plenty from me on this. Then how do I move into having a personal connection? The belief that was left for me in that vision, as you called it, and I believe it was, was that worship is personal. That was what God showed me that day. Worship is personal summer and you're free to worship me personally. And you're free to choose from this beautiful buffet. Cause it was around worship. It was a Sunday morning that I had this experience. Um, and it was a different day for me. I, I normally, I go to church with my family and that morning I, I actually, my alarm clock didn't go off. I'm sure people had this happen. And it was like five minutes till hour. And I'm like, Oh, guess I'm not going to make it today. And I, I started with shame. And I swear a lot of people can experience this. I started with shame, like, oh no, I'm a bad person because I didn't go today or I had that intention. And then I immediately, as I prayed, that was removed from me. And God was like, Summer, what do you need today? 
you know, and I, I was like, you know what? I have some stuff stuck in my body. I actually did an hour of yoga. So people can hear this. How I went, I did an hour of yoga. Then I went in my room and I prayed and I read and just like gleaned personally. I had this like beautiful, like learning with God. And then I went and had just deep, authentic connection with my family the rest of the day. We ended up having a little devotional at night and it was exactly what I needed that day. And there's been other times when I really wanted to join in community, right? And I've gone in and, and had community and gone to worship with others. But that day I needed it more personally. And it made me recognize that I need to give myself permission to really look at how I need to be fed each day and maybe not be so stuck on the model of how it needs to be done, right? And so think about that for people creating connection, getting out of loneliness, because I know you, you help people with doing that with source. And I felt like they needed to hear about how we're really never alone. And we think we are. And maybe you can talk about that. Yeah. Well, and I would guide people if, if you're listening to the podcast, you can go to my podcast called She's Awake. I did an episode actually on this topic a month ago, yes, which I is found. just, and Summer didn't know. And so it was so cool nope. that we came together on this, but the podcast is called Two Ways to Breathe. And the way that I, uh, like Summer, I'm very, uh, God speaks to me through visions and pictures. And what I saw was that humans um, have two ways to breathe. We can breathe through our nose and we can receive um, air through our mouth, right? And, and then I thought of getting a cold. And when we get a cold, we can have our nasal passages blocked and it makes it very difficult or restrictive to breathe. But then all of a sudden I was like, wait, but I can breathe, you know, through my mouth and I can actually still make it through that cold may not be as pleasant, but there, there are multiple ways in which we can inhale and exhale. And that that really is a gift. And the learning that I got from that symbolically was God was showing me that when we think we're blocked in one way, like if you have a spiritual cold and you're feeling that you have a restriction or a blockage or a separation from source, the message was remind my community that there is multiple ways to breathe. So looking for getting curious about getting creative, igniting, in fact, we, we call this more on the right side of the brain, but getting that gestalt brain working that, that, that side where you can get curious and creative. What other way, if I have a spiritual cold and, and my primary way of connecting is blocked for some reason, can I look for another way and this is what actually opens the door for multiple ways to worship, to connect, to feel. And this may be where God is really trying to work with you or the nature is trying to work with you so that you can see and feel an experience because we need repetitive learning to really anchor in something deep that you are in fact not ever blocked. The only thing that blocks us is our belief systems or our traditions telling us that we are. And the other thing that, that came in very strongly in this meditation that I was having was that God never wants to be separated from us. Even when we have done things that are, you know, we would label as wrong or, or maybe even if this is your terminology, sinful or a mistake, our belief systems can dictate that you are then separate from God. And I would challenge that language and say, wait a minute, maybe that's your spiritual cold coming in but that there's a time for you to get curious about what is the, what is my true divine nature and what is my true relationship with God or source or the creator or the universe? And is there, is this, is this error that I've made actually, could it actually teach me that I am in fact not separate 
that they're, that yes, do I still need to be accountable? Do I still need to be responsible for my choices? Absolutely. I'm not advocating that you don't get to, you know, be responsible for your choices, but that your choices are not separating you from God. That's just your belief system. So as we uh, look for two ways to breathe, get curious about who you are in relation to God and source. And what are those multiple ways in which you can connect, even when the, that cold comes in and you need to look for that alternate way to breathe because that alternate way to breathe is also going to be how you unblock your nasal passages, you know, in that for symbolic reasons, using that just as a, as symbolism, but you're, you spiritually unblock when you just make the choice. I am not going to be connect, disconnected. It isn't true. It isn't real. I am not disconnected from God. And I'm going to get curious, creative, and powerful as to how to find my alternate ways of connecting. Like your daughter, Summer, drawing that picture, it will come to you intuitively. That's what I tend to find. I really like to ignite intuition in people and have them start to trust. There's a reason why we say gut instinct. There's a reason why we say that. It's because it's a thing. It's it's intuition. It's spirit. It's guidance. Um, there's all kinds of different names for the same thing and we all have it and we are not meant to be without it here. We may not listen to it, but we are not ever without it. Yeah. At the very least, I think, I think a lot of my clients at first, I've had clients that have no spiritual belief, right. And, and absolutely don't even know if they believe in God or they definitely don't trust God because their, their beliefs or their experiences taught that that source is not trustful. I mean, that's the experience of a lot of people that have had trauma um, you know, God left me hanging out to dry. Where was he? Right. That's a very common feeling for people who've had these experiences, or maybe they were taught an angry punishing God. And they're like, well, I don't want anything to do with that. Right. If I'm just going to have to take a distance from that concept. So I'd have you be curious, you know, about how, whether those things are true, right. Whether you would pass that along to another, like a loved other, that's one way you kind of know it's not, if you don't want to pass that on to your child, it's probably not truth, right? It's not something that you want to pass along in light and love, then it probably wasn't true when it was passed to you. That's a good determiner. Um, and the other is just, I left you said this to me, but like, what makes you sparkle? Remember that, Rachel? Mm-hmm. Especially this time yeah. of year with all the twinkling lights, like painting makes Brielle sparkle. That's why we make sure that she has access to that. Um, stillness time actually makes me sparkle I knew I need a a fair amount of time alone in nature with God right and so I think we have to just listen to I I I kind of relate to the Mary and Martha story Mm -hmm. um I'm I'm a lot more Mary than I am Martha but I feel like I live in a Martha world and I'm trying to be Mary (laughs) and so it's really hard sometimes for me but this time to 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 give myself permission to do that I love how that story you know even even Martha, this is a biblical story, but even Martha's over there been like, hey, you should be da-da-da-da-da, like you're not doing the right thing, right? And I think there's a lot of message in that story. Like there are a lot of voices saying, why aren't you doing more? Why aren't you enough, right? Why aren't you performing more? And I think the message of that story is there is a higher, more excellent, better way through stillness, right? And then we can flow from that stillness and there's going to be good works and things that come out of it but you're going to be in flow. Uh, you're going to be doing that needful thing and not just a whole bunch of stuff and just hoping you checked enough boxes. I don't know. That's just how I look at it. 
And so I've tried to be more intentional with how I am using my, my work time, my, my doing time and dive more deeply into internal work because it's just as value as external work. Um, and I think that's where you create that deep connection because I think people don't give themselves permission to take the time for the connection. That's one thing I would add. They don't take time to play and do their sparkle stuff, yeah. right? And then they find themselves feeling really dry and, and disconnected because we need people, but we also need source mm -hmm. and, you know, Anything else you'd like to add to any of that as we close here today? I would just invite the community, your, your amazing community to, uh, the, the word that just keeps coming to me over and over again is to get curious. Curiosity just opens the gateway to so many things, including your own intuition. I too, Summer, work with a lot of people that don't specifically have like a, a deity background, whether they, um, have had trauma around deity or just personally haven't found that as a great connection, I still encourage them to feel connected to something, whether that's the ocean, it's you know, it's mountains, it's a lot of people love water, they feel a deep connection to water. Whatever it is, it's it's a pathway of, of being curious about how we are all, everything is connected. And um, I find that as adults, what's one of the things that we tend to shut off is that curiosity, that playfulness, and so, yeah, I just, I would get on board with that bandwagon of take the time to play color. I mean, even as adults, the other day I colored with my nine-year-old, we just needed a little um, distraction and, and a little, some, a little activity to do together while we were waiting for our next activity and things like that. And I said, let's just get out your coloring book. So I sat and colored with Drew. It was fabulous. So those are some of the ways in which um, you can find your sparkle. And also, uh, I highly recommend as, as Summer does too, either have a really good friend that is a trusted friend that will allow you to be yourself. Oftentimes when we seek out counsel, especially with friends and, and loved ones, they tend to be uncomfortable with the way we're feeling and they want us to rush through our feelings because they're uncomfortable with how we're feeling. And so when you're wanting to process your emotions, when you're wanting to really sit in it, you either want to have a really good friend that will let you sit in it and not force you out of your emotions or try to solve or fix it for you or seek out a coach or counselor to help you work through those processes. Because it, one of the things that can happen is we don't want to face our own stuff. So we hurry through it because this were uncomfortable. Well, it's about taking a, you know, it's a lesson. And so when you rush through the lesson, you tend to not do as well at the end when there might be an opportunity to take a, take a life lesson exam in a situation. But when you take the time to really read and study and do all the homework in the lesson that you're given, uh, that is when life becomes very meaningful and joyful. Absolutely. I, one thing I, I, I don't normally plug myself. It's an awkward thing. I'm learning that. But if you haven't come over and followed me at Instagram, I would really invite you to do it because I, I started new to Instagram in February of this year. Um, I was just personal. I made it a professional Instagram, but I have a different topic every week. And last week was wintering. And I really encouraged people to use the season because Crystal and I teach the concepts of Chinese medicine being in the season. There's actually an energetic tendency in each season that you know the earth is like not moving and producing right now right it's going inside it's doing that work it's doing that stillness work 
Um, and we may be feeling that. And then oftentimes we go against that. We're like, no, no, I don't want to be present with that stuff. I don't want to be still. So, you know, you can flow with nature and you can let yourself learn the lessons or you can continually fight against the nature, you know, that lessons before you. And it's fine. It'll still be there for you. It'll just swing around a different time. But I often say to myself, I'd like to learn it this time, or I'd like to dive in and learn it, learn a little more of it. I think you continually learn the same lesson in deeper, deeper levels. Um, but I don't think anybody on our podcast are not wisdom seekers. Like why else would they be here? <laughs> and so I think all of you, I can just know that you are. And so just give yourself permission to be still, uh, drink deeply of the light and love and connection that's present in this season, no matter what your tradition is, it's present in many traditions right now. I, I, I have friends that are not Christian that have other ways of light and love and connection through their, their time, their tradition around the season. And then the earth is also inviting you to stillness and to go inside and do some deep inner work. So um, thank you, Rachel, for being here. I'm sure we'll have you again. Um, you know, feel free to send us comments and like, Rachel, how can they find you or learn more about you? So you can follow me on um, Instagram. Um, the, sorry, my phone started going off. Um, Instagram, which is she's awake underscore podcast. And then on Facebook, Rachel Grant Dixon. And then I actually have a private She's Awake Facebook group, which people who follow the podcast are welcome to uh, join. I do a lot more private posts on that Facebook group. And then the community interacts with each other. So you can leave comments yeah, or you can leave questions for me and I can answer them. So yeah, people can find me through uh, Facebook or Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and time. And I just hope everyone is having a wonderful holiday season and that you will, uh, you know, get curious, as Rachel said, uh, create connection with source the way you do, right? Give yourself permission to play. Um, and if you're in the stage where you're just get, getting curious about what you're feeling, give yourself permission to shed. Maybe that's the gift you give yourself this year, right? You let go of some things or you really let yourself really feel them through and learn from them. These are gifts, right? I think you and I both have understood that we descend and then we ascend, right? We have these, sometimes the greatest gift is the painful learning and it leads us to some, a much more beautiful spring. <laughs> so um, uh, I, I'm be interested to see where people are, but I, I hope this helps uh, you feel more connected and know that we're, we're sending our light and love to you right now at this time.